0: Part One of The Fisherman and His Soul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenevere, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The Fisherman and His Soul by Oscar Wilde. Part One. To Her Serene Highness Alice, Princess of Monaco Every evening the young fisherman went out upon the sea and threw his nets into the water. When the wind blew from the land he caught nothing, or but little at best, for it was bitter and a black-winged wind, and rough waves rose up to meet it. But when the wind blew to the shore, The fish came in from the deep and swam into the meshes of his nets, and he took them to the market place and sold them. Every evening he went out upon the sea, and one evening the net was so heavy that hardly could he draw it into the boat. And he laughed and said to himself, Surely I have caught all the fish that swim, or snared some dull monster that will be a marvel to men. Or something of horror that the great queen will desire. And putting forth all his strength, he tugged at the coarse ropes till, like lines of blue enamel round a vase of bronze, the long veins rose up on his arms. He tugged at the thin ropes, and nearer and nearer came the circle of flat corks, and the net rose at last to the top of the water. But no fish at all was in it, nor any monster or thing of horror, but only a little mermaid lying fast asleep. Her hair was as a wet fleece of gold, and each separate hair as a thread of fine gold in a cup of glass. Her body was as white ivory, and her tail was of silver and pearl. Silver and pearl was her tail and the green weeds of the sea coiled round it, and like sea-shells were her ears, and her lips were like sea-coral. The cold waves dashed over her cold breasts, and the salt glistened upon her eyelids. So beautiful was she, that when the young fisherman saw her, he was filled with wonder, and he put out his hand and drew the net close to him, and, leaning over the side, he clasped her in his arms. And when he touched her she gave a cry like a startled seagull and woke, and looked at him in terror with her mauve amethyst eyes, and struggled that she might escape. But he held her tightly to him, and would not suffer her to depart. And when she saw that she could in no way escape from him, she began to weep, and said, I pray thee let me go for i am the only daughter of a king and my father is aged and alone but the young fisherman answered i will not let thee go save thou makest me a promise that whenever i call thee thou wilt come and sing to me for the fish delight to listen to the song of the sea folk and so shall my nets be full wilt thou in very truth let me go if i promise thee this cried the mermaid in very truth i will let thee go said the young fisherman so she made him the promise he desired and swear to it by the oath of the sea folk and he loosened his arms from about her and she sank down into the water trembling with a strange fear Every evening the young fisherman went out upon the sea and called to the mermaid, and she rose out of the water and sang to him. Round and round her swam the dolphins, and the wild gulls wheeled above her head. And she sang a marvelous song, for she sang of the sea folk who drive their flocks from cave to cave, and carry the little calves on their shoulders of the tritons who have long green beards and hairy breasts, and blow through twisted conchs when the king passes by, of the palace of the king which is all of amber with a roof of clear emerald and a pavement of bright pearl, and of the gardens of the sea where the great filigrane fans of coral wave all day long, and the fish dart about like silver birds, and the anemones cling to the rocks and the pinks burgeon in the ribbed yellow sand. She sang of the big whales that come down from the North Seas, and have sharp icicles hanging to their fins, of the sirens who tell of such wonderful things that the merchants have to stop their ears with wax lest they should hear them, and leap into the water and be drowned, of the sunken galleys with their tall masts, and the frozen sailors clinging to the rigging, And the mackerel swimming in and out of the open portholes, of the little barnacles who are great travellers and cling to the keels of the ships and go round and round the world, and of the cuttlefish who live in the sides of the cliffs and stretch out their long black arms and can make night come when they will it. She sang of the nautilus who has a boat of her own that is carved out of an opal, And steered with a silken sail of the happy mermen who play upon harps and can charm the great kraken to sleep of the little children who catch hold of the slippery porpoises and ride laughing upon their backs of the mermaids who lie in the white foam and hold out their arms to the mariners and of the sea lions with their curved tusks and the sea horses with their floating manes and as she sang all the tunny fish came in from the deep to listen to her and the young fisherman threw his nets round them and caught them and others he took with a spear and when his boat was well laden the mermaid was sink down into the sea smiling at him yet would she never come near him that he might touch her oftentimes he called to her and prayed of her but she would not and when he sought to seize her she dived into the water as a seal might dive, nor did he see her again that day. And each day the sound of her voice became sweeter to his ears. So sweet was her voice that he forgot his nets and his cunning, and had no care of his craft. Vermilion finned, and with eyes of bossy gold, the Tunnies went by in shoals, but he heeded them not. His spear lay by his side unused, and his baskets of plaited osier were empty. With lips parted, and eyes dim with wonder, he sat idle in his boat and listened, listening till the sea mists crept round him, and the wandering moon stained his brown limbs with silver. And one evening he called to her and said, Little Mermaid, Little Mermaid, I love thee. Take me for thy bridegroom, for I love thee. But the mermaid shook her head. Thou hast a human soul, she answered. If only thou wouldst send away thy soul, then could I love thee. And the young fisherman said to himself, Of what use is my soul to me? I cannot see it. I may not touch it. I do not know it surely i will send it away from me and much gladness shall be mine and a cry of joy broke from his lips and standing up in the painted boat he held out his arms to the mermaid i will send my soul away he cried and you shall be my bride and i will be thy bridegroom and in the depths of the sea we will dwell together and all that thou hast sung of thou shalt show me and all that thou desirest I will do, nor shall our lives be divided." And the little mermaid laughed for pleasure, and hid her face in her hands. "'But how shall I send my soul from me?' cried the young fisherman. "'Tell me how I may do it, and, lo, it shall be done.' "'Alas, I know not,' said the little mermaid. "'The sea-folk have no souls.' and she sank down into the deep looking wistfully at him now early on the next morning before the sun was the span of a man's hand above the hill the young fisherman went to the house of the priest and knocked three times at the door the novice looked out through the wicket and when he saw who it was he drew back the latch and said to him enter And the young fisherman passed in, and knelt down on the sweet-smelling rushes of the floor, and cried to the priest who was reading out of the holy book, and said to him, Father, I am in love with one of the sea folk, and my soul hindereth me from having my desire. Tell me how I can send my soul away from me, for in truth I have no need of it. Of what value is my soul to me? I cannot see it, I may not touch it. I do not know it.' And the priest beat his breast and answered, "'Alack, alack, thou art mad, or hast eaten of some poisonous herb. For the soul is the noblest part of man, and was given to us by God that we should nobly use it. There is no thing more precious than a human soul, nor any earthly thing that can be weighed with it. It is worth all the gold that is in the world, and is more precious than the rubies of the kings. Therefore, my son, think not any more of this matter, for it is a sin that may not be forgiven. And as for the sea folk, they are lost, and they who would traffic with them are lost also. They are the beasts of the fields that know not good from evil, and for them the Lord has not died. The young fisherman's eyes filled with tears when he heard the bitter words of the priest, and he rose up from his knees and said to him, "'Father, the fawns live in the forest and are glad, and on the rocks sit the mermen with their harps of red gold. Let me be as they are, I beseech thee, for their days are as the days of flowers. And as for my soul, what doth my soul profit me if it stand between me and the thing that I love?' ''The love of the body is vile,'' cried the priest, knitting his brows. ''And vile and evil are the pagan things God suffers to wander through his world. Accursed be the fawns of the woodland, and accursed be the singers of the seal. I have heard them at night-time, and they have sought to lure me from my beads. They tap at the window and laugh. They whisper into my ears the tale of their perilous joys they tempt me with temptations and when i would pray they make mouths at me they are lost i tell thee they are lost for them there is no heaven nor hell and in neither shall they praise god's name father cried the young fisherman thou knowest not what thou sayest once in my net i snared the daughter of a king she is fairer than the morning star and whiter than the moon for her body i would give my soul and for her love i would surrender heaven tell me what i ask of thee and let me go in peace away away cried the priest thy leman is lost and thou shalt be lost with her and he gave him no blessing but drove him from his door and the young fisherman went down into the market-place and he walked slowly and with bowed head as one who is in sorrow and when the merchants saw him coming they began to whisper to each other and one of them came forth to meet him and called him by name and said to him what hast thou to sell i will sell thee my soul he answered i pray thee buy it of me for i am weary of it of what use is my soul to me i cannot see it i may not touch it i do not know it But the merchants mocked at him and said, Of what use is a man's soul to us? It is not worth a clipped piece of silver. Sell us thy body for a slave, and we will clothe thee in sea-purple, and put a ring upon thy finger, and make thee the minion of the great queen. But talk not of the soul, for to us it is naught, nor has it any value for our service. And the young fisherman said to himself, how strange a thing this is the priest telleth me that the soul is worth all the gold in the world and the merchants say that it is not worth a clipped piece of silver and he passed out of the marketplace and went down to the shore of the sea and began to ponder on what he should do and at noon he remembered how one of his companions who was a gatherer of sapphire had told him of a certain young witch who dwelt in a cave at the head of the bay, and was very cunning in her witcheries. And he set to and ran. So eager was he to get rid of his soul, and a cloud of dust followed him as he sped round the sand of the shore. By the itching of her palm, the young witch knew his coming, and she laughed and let down her red hair. With her red hair falling around her, She stood at the opening of the cave, and in her hand she had a spray of wild hemlock that was blossoming. "'What do you lack, what do you lack?' she cried as he came panting up the steep, and bent down before her. "'Fish for thy net, when the wind is foul. "'I have a little reed-pipe, and when I blow on it the mullet comes sailing into the bay. "'But it has a price, pretty boy, it has a price.' "'What do you lack, what do you lack?' "'A storm to wreck the ships and wash the chests of rich treasure ashore? "'I have more storms than the wind has, "'for I serve one who is stronger than the wind, "'and with a sieve and a pail of water "'I can send the great galleys to the bottom of the sea. "'But I have a price, pretty boy, I have a price. "'What do you lack, what do you lack?' I know a flower that grows in the valley, none knows it but I. It has purple leaves, and a star in its heart, and its juice is as white as milk. Shouldst thou touch with this flower the hard lips of the queen, she would follow thee all over the world. Out of the bed of the king she would rise, and over the whole world she would follow thee. And it has a price, pretty boy, it has a price. What do you lack? What do you lack? I can pound a toad in a mortar and make broth of it, and stir the broth with a dead man's hand, sprinkle it on thine enemy while he sleeps, and he will turn into a black viper, and his own mother will slay him. With a wheel I can draw the moon from heaven, and in a crystal I can show thee death. What do you lack? What do you lack? Tell me thy desire, and I will give it to thee, and thou shalt pay me a price, pretty boy, thou shalt pay me a price. My desire is but for a little thing, said the young fisherman. Yet hath the priest been wroth with me, and driven me forth? It is but for a little thing, and the merchants have mocked at me, and denied me. Therefore am I come to thee, though men call thee evil. And whatever be thy price, I shall pay it. "'What wouldst thou?' asked the witch, coming near to him. "'I would send my soul away from me,' answered the young fisherman. The witch grew pale and shuddered and hid her face in her blue mantle. "'Pretty boy, pretty boy,' she muttered. "'That is a terrible thing to do.' he tossed his brown curls and laughed my soul is naught to me he answered i cannot see it i may not touch it i do not know it what wilt thou give me if i tell thee asked the witch looking down at him with her beautiful eyes five pieces of gold he said and my nets and the wattled house where i live and the painted boat in which i sail only tell me how to get rid of my soul and i shall give thee all that i possess she laughed mockingly at him and struck him with the spray of hemlock (laughs) i can turn the autumn leaves into gold she answered and i can weave the pale moonbeams into silver if i will it he whom i serve is richer than all the kings of this world and has their dominions What then shall I give thee, he cried, if thy price be neither gold nor silver? The witch stroked his hair with her thin white hand. Thou must dance with me, pretty boy, she murmured, and she smiled at him as she spoke. Nought but that, cried the young fisherman in wonder as he rose to his feet. Nought but that, she answered, and she smiled at him again. Then at sunset in some secret place we shall dance together, he said. And after that we have danced, thou shalt tell me the thing which I desire to know. She shook her head. When the moon is full, when the moon is full, she muttered. Then she peered all round and listened. A bluebird rose screaming from its nest and circled over the dunes and three spotted birds rustled through the coarse grey grass and whistled to each other. There was no other sound save the sound of a wave fretting the smooth pebbles below. So she reached out her hand and drew him near to her, and put her dry lips close to his ear. "'Tonight thou must come to the top of the mountain,' she whispered. "'It is a sabbath.' And he will be there. The young fisherman started and looked at her, and she showed her white teeth and laughed. "'Who is he of whom thou speakest? he asked. "'It matters not,' she answered. "'Go thou to-night and stand under the branches of the hornbeam, and wait for my coming. If a black dog run towards thee, strike it with a rod of willow, and it will go away.' If an owl speak to thee, make no answer. When the moon is full, I shall be with thee, and we will dance together on the grass. But wilt thou swear to me to tell me how I may send my soul from me?' He made a question. She moved out into the sunlight, and through her red hair rippled the wind. By the hoofs of the goat I swear. She made answer thou art the best of the witches cried the young fisherman and i will surely dance with thee to-night on the top of the mountain i would indeed that thou hast asked me of either gold or silver but such as thy price is thou shalt have it for it is but a little thing and he doffed his cap to her and bent his head low and ran back to the town filled with a great joy and the witch watched him as he went and when he had passed from her sight she entered her cave and having taken a mirror from a box of carved cedar wood she set it up on a frame and burned vervain on lighted charcoal before it and peered through the coils of smoke and after a time she clenched her hands in anger he should have been mine she muttered i am as fair as she is and that evening, when the moon had risen, the young fisherman climbed up to the top of the mountain and stood under the branches of the hornbeam, like a targe of polished metal. The round sea laid his feet, and the shadows of the fishing boats moved in the little bay. A great owl with yellow sulphurous eyes called to him by his name, but he made no answer. A black dog ran towards him and snarled he struck it with a rod of willow and it went away whining at midnight the witches came flying through the air like bats Pew! they cried as they lit upon the ground there is someone here we know not and they sniffed about and chattered to each other and made signs last of all came the young witch with her red hair streaming in the wind she wore a dress of gold tissue embroidered with peacock's eyes, and a little cap of green velvet was on her head. "'Where is he? Where is he?' shrieked the witches when they saw her, but she only laughed, and ran to the hornbeam, and taking the fisherman by the hand, she led him out into the moonlight and began to dance. Round and round they whirled, and the young witch jumped so high that he could see the scarlet heels of her shoes. Then right across the dancers came the sound of the galloping of a horse. But no horse was to be seen, and he felt afraid. Faster, cried the witch, and she threw her arms about his neck, and her breath was hot upon his face. Faster, faster, she cried, and the earth seemed to spin beneath his feet, and his brain grew troubled, and a great terror fell upon him, as of some evil thing that was watching him and at last he became aware that under the shadow of a rock there was a figure that had not been there before it was a man dressed in a suit of black velvet cut in the spanish fashion his face was strangely pale but his lips were like a proud red flower He seemed weary and was leaning back toying in a listless manner with the pommel of his dagger. On the grass beside him lay a plumed hat and a pair of riding gloves gauntleted with gilt lace and sewn with seed pearls wrought into a curious device. A short cloak lined with sables hung from his shoulder, and his delicate white hands were gemmed with rings. Heavy eyelids drooped over his eyes. The young fisherman watched him as one snared in a spell. At last their eyes met, and wherever he danced it seemed to him that the eyes of the man were upon him. He heard the witch laugh and caught her by the waist and whirled her madly round and round. Suddenly a dog bayed in the wood and the dancer stopped and, going up two by two, knelt down and kissed the man's hands. As they did so, a little smile touched his proud lips as a bird's wing touches the water and makes it laugh. But there was disdain in it. He kept looking at the young fisherman. "'Come, let us worship,' whispered the witch, and she led him up, and a great desire to do as she besought him seized on him, and he followed her. But when he came close, and without knowing why he did it, He made on his breast the sign of the cross and called upon the holy name. No sooner had he done so than the witches screamed like hawks and flew away, and the pallid face that had been watching him twitched with a spasm of pain. The man went over to a little wood and whistled. A jennet with silver trappings came rushing to meet him. As he leapt upon the saddle he turned round and looked at the young fisherman sadly. And the witch with the red hair tried to fly away also, but the fisherman caught her by her wrists and held her fast. "'Loose me,' she cried, and let me go, for thou hast named what should not be named, and shown the sign that may not be looked at. "'Nay,' he answered, but I will not let thee go till thou hast told me the secret.' "'What secret?' said the witch wrestling with him like a wild cat and biting her foam-flecked lips thou knowest he made answer her grass-green eyes grew dim with tears and she said to the fisherman ask me anything but that he laughed and held her all the more tightly and when she saw that she could not free herself she whispered to him surely i am as fair as the daughters of the sea "'and as comely as those that dwell in the blue waters.' "'And she fawned on him and put her face close to his. "'But he thrust her back, frowning, and said to her, "'If thou keepest not the promise that thou madest to me, "'I will slay thee for a false witch.' "'She grew gray as a blossom of the judish tree and shuddered. "'Be it so,' she muttered, "'it is thy soul and not mine.' do with it as thou wilt and she took from her girdle a little knife that had a handle of green viper's skin and gave it to him what shall this serve me he asked of her wondering she was silent for a few moments and a look of terror came over her face then she brushed her hair back from her forehead and smiling strangely she said to him what men call the shadow of the body is not the shadow of the body but is the body of the soul stand on the seashore with thy back to the moon and cut away from around thy feet thy shadow which is thy soul's body and bid thy soul leave thee and it will do so the young fisherman trembled is this true he murmured it is true and i would that i had not told thee of it she cried and she clung to his knees weeping he put her from him and left her in the rank grass and going to the edge of the mountain he placed the knife in his belt and began to climb down and his soul that was within him called out to him and said lo i have dwelt with thee for all these years and have been thy servant Send me not away from thee now, for what evil have I done thee? And the young fisherman laughed. Thou hast done me no evil, but I have no need of thee. He answered, The world is wide, and there is heaven also, and hell, and that dim twilight house that lies between. Go wherever thou wilt, but trouble me not, for my love is calling to me and his soul besought him piteously, but he heeded it not, but leapt from crag to crag, being sure-footed as a wild goat, and at last he reached the level ground and the yellow shore of the sea. Bronze-limbed and well-knit, like a statue wrought by a Grecian, he stood on the sand with his back to the moon, and out of the foam came white arms that beckoned to him, And out of the waves rose dim forms that did him homage before him lay his shadow which was the body of his soul and behind him hung the moon in the honey-colored air and his soul said to him if indeed thou must drive me from thee send me not forth without a heart the world is cruel give me thy heart to take with me he tossed his head and smiled with what should i love my love if i gave thee my heart he cried nay but be merciful said his soul give me thy heart for the world is very cruel and i am afraid my heart is my love's he answered therefore tarry not but get thee gone should i not love also asked his soul "'Get thee gone, for I have no need of thee,' cried the young fisherman, and he took the little knife with its handle of green viper skin, and cut away his shadow from around his feet, and it rose up and stood before him and looked at him, and it was even as himself. End of Part 1